This is Jerry Nowicki with Capital News Illinois, back for another installment of our Perspectives on Progress series. Today we hear from State Senator Robert Peters, a Democrat representing the 13th District, which is a long strip along Chicago's lakefront. The last two lawmakers to hold a seat were former President Barack Obama until he ran for U.S. Senate in 2004, and Kwame Raoul, who gave up the seat in 2018 upon being elected the state's Attorney General. Peters is a member of the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus, a former community organizer, and a champion of criminal justice reforms in the Senate. When we spoke on June 3rd, he was in a car caravan protest in Chicago as part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Peters shared his thoughts on the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis in the video depicting the incident, how he thinks Illinois should move forward amid protests, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, and its financial impacts, and what role the media plays in shaping the conversation. Okay, so the first question I've been asking is what goes through your mind when you see the George Floyd video or any number of uh, videos like it? Yeah, I mean, um, when I see any videos like that, I think the first thing that comes into my mind is exhaustion, um, being tired, um, anger, uh, sadness, um, and just thoroughly upset. Um, and I think they all come in some, you know, like in a series or in, in, in a, you know, it's, it, it's like a rush of different emotions at the same time. Um, there's also this strong sense of responsibility uh, not in that it's, you know, my fault that, uh, you know, a black person was murdered by police, but it's my responsibility for us not to have this happen again. As, as you watch the protests, what goes through your mind when you see that? You, you must know what these people are feeling, um, the people on the streets are feeling to an extent. Yeah, and I mean, having been an organizer before that, I've been part of those protests uh, and continue to support um, protests. I think what we think about is those protests are about police violence, but I think they go broader than that. Um, you know, and I, I wrote a reflection about this. But if you're 18 or you're 30, um, you remember the war in Iraq and the fact that that entire war was built on a lie. Uh, you remember the Great Recession and how a few billionaires got bailed out, everyone got sold out or pushed down. Uh, you remember uh, the murders of Trayvon Martin, uh, Laquan McDonald, um, Rakia Boyd. Uh, you remember, um, you know, Donald Trump getting elected. Um, and immediately signing executive order after executive order, uh, undoing what was years of work in progress. You remember that, you have that pain. And so when you look at what's recently happening, um, you know, when it comes to the disparities uh, with COVID, um, when it comes to the economic crisis, and that there are 40 million people in this country who are unemployed, and when it comes to the murder of Floyd, you think of all that together and I think people 
uh, have every right to be upset and to say enough is enough. Um, and, you know, I think oftentimes the narrative, uh, well, I think right now the narrative has focused too much on the story of looting. And uh, I think the story of looting is complicated. Um, you know, looting, you know, sometimes there are folks who just do it to create chaos. Um, but for many people, it's because they live in chaos. And, um, you know, I think that the real story here um, is the pain and the suffering and the hurt that's happening in communities uh, across the state, particularly black communities across the state. Um, and so if we don't tell that story about police violence, uh, the economic crisis, the health care disparities, and, you know, the decade to two decades long of pain, and we don't deal with it, then we're not going to get to the root of what's going on in society right now. So what more would you like to see from the governor at this point as some of these communities try to rebuild uh, the ones that were disproportionately hit by looting and then that have been before that disproportionately neglected by state government? Yeah, so I don't think it's just on the governor. I think it is on each and every one of us in this state. Uh, and I think that's an important emphasis. Um, when it comes to our government, we can't look to one individual to be the savior of what we need. Um, I think too much is asked of a politician to be a savior when each and every one of us, both as electeds and as communities, must organize as saviors for our communities together. And so one of the things that I think about is that we need to, well, there's a whole series of things that have to happen simply in the police accountability and criminal justice uh, reform that needs to focus on reimagining what safety and justice in our communities look like. That's in terms of just the criminal justice aspect. In the economic aspect, it is the fact that there are those who are at the top who have become extremely wealthy, not just the last 30 years, but since the Great Recession. Well, at the same time, people have been either flattened when it comes to wages or because of what's going on, you know, they don't even work or they dropped out the labor force. So it's time for us to start getting um, the, you know, the revenue we need from those who've made so much and start moving those resources into our communities. Um, you know, to give you an idea, you know, we talk about housing. You know, there's a story today in WBZ around Chase and mortgages. Um, the Great Recession wiped out black wealth, black middle class wealth. Folks were told to go and get home and that will build their wealth. And then they got foreclosed on and it transferred that wealth to a few, mostly white men, mostly. And so 67% of all wealth is in things like real estate. And so we need to think about how housing needs to be, uh, you know, not only affordable, but protected and regulated so that people can stay in their homes. I mean, if you don't have stability in your home, you're not going to have stability anywhere. Um, and so we need to start thinking about 
um, protecting people in their homes. And as we enter into this early stages of an economic crisis, and it must be reminded it's early stages of an economic crisis, one that won't just, you know, go back to being healthy with a snap of the finger, we need to, um, we need to think about how we don't make the same mistakes that came out of the Great Recession. And that responsibility lies with all of us uh, who have governing power. And you had mentioned the whole state of Illinois. So with the national conversation, what do we in the media have to do better? That's, wow. Um, The story of what's going on right now isn't the story of looting. I think that story is exciting. That story is what so many movies are made out of. Um, It feeds to a particular readership or viewer uh, that skews a bit older uh, and it helps sell on reaction. It is time for us to tell the story of the pain and the suffering in the communities. But on top of that, how there are people who are working to, you know, undo that pain, lift us up and build a state and a city and communities for the 21st century. And we need more of those stories told and we need more effort on that. And we need people who, you know, show what hope looks like uh, through the faces of the people who are organizing to, you know, rebuild and reimagine, you know, our world. For so long, when I said things like I wanted to end cash bond, um, it would be followed up with a story about one person out of 5,000 people in Cook County Jail um, who might have committed something bad. One person out of 5,000 or three people out of 5,000. And the story is not told about the people who are in there and what they're going through and why they did it. Did they come from a community that had four schools closed? More of that is needed. So, yes, I have, I, excuse me for my frustration. It's not at you. No, it's fine. Um, it's just, you know, I think this is an opportunity for us to dig deep on what's happening in, in, in our communities. You know, right now um, in South Chicago, they're struggling to get the pharmaceuticals they need um, because people went at the Walgreens uh, and... I think about it and I say, I want Walgreens not only to do right and make sure they stay there, and I'm sure they'll read this when they get the news alert, that they stay in that community because they've closed the store before in the South Chicago area. But I want them to know that their workers are going to be able to get the pay that they deserve. And those workers will be black and brown. That their workers get paid sick leave. That they're able to collectively bargain. And that if we're going to rebuild our communities, it's going to require a togetherness that isn't just, you know, a meme on social media, but is material, something you can touch, something you can feel. And, you know, I hope that Walgreens knows that, you know, the public looked at them uh, one part as a symbol of a place to go to get the things that they need, but also because... They saw it as a target. There were stores that were not touched in that area. Um, but there was a statement being made there. And our job 
is to read that statement, act on that statement. And we have two choices. It's either more control, more incarceration, more repression, or it's more democracy, you know, more lifting up of community. And it's more built around how we're in this together. And I don't think we will, we should go the route of control, repression, and disinvestment and control. Do you have a fear that it's going to be a much harder, much longer effort for these communities to come back and some of these businesses to come back um, from those that were looted um, in the in the lesser advantaged communities? I, I mean, I have a fear that when it comes to making money, they've already didn't view our communities positively as a place to make money to begin with. Uh, closing stores often, not putting, you know, the resources that we need. Oftentimes we begged for these things to happen. And even when we begged, they said, you know, give us a tax write-off. Um, so I already had low expectations that that level of care, you know, was in our community. Look, it was like philanthropy. Um, so we replaced the, the needs of our community with philanthropy. And I'm not interested in, in philanthropy. Give us all you need in philanthropy right now. But we need more. And so if the private sector is not able in, then it is time for the public sector to step in. Um, you know, if it means that this is this is an opportunity for a new deal, um, like response to what's happening. Um, and so let's lean into the new deal response. Because um, I think many of us are tired of begging for philanthropy from a majority white board of billionaires about what we need in our community. Enough is enough. When you come back in session, are there things on your to-do list? And are you concerned that a November return to session allows some of this uh, sadly created momentum to dissipate? Well, I, I don't know if I can make a prediction about how this will go. Um, through November. Um, the only reason being is because we're still, first of all, if we don't do anything about police accountability, well, we're going to keep seeing, you know, this happen. Um, the other part is I think we're in the early stages of the economic crisis and we haven't fully gotten out of the public. We haven't gotten out of the public health crisis and we just entered phase three. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to necessarily make a prediction that somehow things will be, uh, that this will leave out of the public eye because it's hard for me to say that. I think sure. it's hard for us to predict any of this. What I, I do say is that, um, that we do need to act now um, in in the fact that we need to show the public that we're, we're ready to act and bring about the change that we need in our communities. So that is less around whether this will keep going or more like the public is... You know, they want this, they're ready, um, you know, much of the public. And to be honest with you, I'll say this, you know, there were massive protests in Naperville. And, um, there, you know, right, there were massive protests in Naperville. And, you know, having been, you know, living on the south side of Chicago, on the lakefront, I never thought in my life I would say Naperville had people, large groups of people standing in solidarity uh, with folks in Chicago and Minneapolis and LA and New York and DC, it just goes to show 
that we're in a you know a changing time and you know i think that is something that is uh, out of this crisis an opportunity to build on That was Senator Robert Peters in our seventh installment of Perspectives on Progress, a special edition of our Capital Cast podcast. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. I'm Jerry Nowicki with Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Thank you for listening, and check out capitalnewsillinois.com for more from this series.